0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah verse 43. Thank you, Michelle. The book of Isaiah verse 43. A few weeks ago, we were doing a series on God doing a new thing. Who knows that every year we can believe that God can do a new thing in our lives. And so this book of Isaiah is interesting because God is doing a new thing in Israel's life. And the whole point of this particular passage is that God is saying to his people, "Hey, listen, I'm doing something new, don't you perceive it? I think many times in life we can often misperceive the things that God is doing in our lives. And you and I, throughout our lives, we are often challenged by many different things, whether it's new things, whether it's old things. The Bible just here, as we read it, is not just talking about new things, but it's talking about former things as well. And what I love about this particular passage is that it tells us how to process the things in our lives effectively. Come on, who knows, the older that you live, the more things come into your world. Whether they're good things, whether they're bad things, whether they're things that confuse you, whether they're things that you just look at and you go, why did I go through that? What what, What was that whole purpose of that Particular thing. And I love the fact that God calls it a new thing and doesn't really bring clarity because I think many times in our lives, it is often a challenge to find clarity in those particular things. And so today, I just don't want to speak about new things, but I want to talk to you about all the things that you go through in life. We're going to put them all together and we're going to find God's purpose in those things. Come on, who knows that God has got a purpose in all the things that we go through? So, the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 43, and it starts off in verse 16. It says, This is what the Lord says He who made a sea, me who made a way through the sea, and a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together. They lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Again, they're talking about a former thing that God did, which was them, him parting the Red Sea. But he says this in verse 18, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Can I encourage you this morning? That is a great word for people here this morning. Stop looking at the past. God has got a better future than the past that you've actually come through. And the Bible goes on to say, do not, just forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a, come on, a, a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The wild animals will honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. You know, every year at Christmas as a staff, we have a staff Christmas breakup and we do a Kris Kringle where we pull a name out of a hat And uh, we just buy a little gift for that particular random person. You know, it kind of gives great unity to our staff. Can I just say this, church, is that there is a healthy sense of unity in our staff. And I just believe that where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And whether there's unity on our staff or on our leadership team or the volunteers that serve in our house, one of the things that we have zero tolerance for, and that is disunity. Who knows that murmuring and disunity can just wreck what God is doing. But where there is unity, God commands a blessing. And so just being in unity, all flowing in the same river and making the same uh, kind of purpose of where we're going is incredibly helpful. Anyway... So, you know, we, we did this staff breakup thing and and uh, we did Chris Kringle and 2019, the year before COVID, we did that and Franka got a Chris Kringle gift of a uh, Lenita and it was a uh it was a little herb garden, one of those beautiful little kind of herb gardens that was in a little box, you know, in a little box and there was oregano and there was basil and you know there was parsley and you know I hate paying for basil in the shops I want to grow my own basil come on who knows what I'm talking about and uh, especially with pizzas you can't have a good pizza without fresh basil may want to write that down so anyway so we were excited and we thought we're going to have our own herb garden and these things are going to explode and they're going to grow and we're going to look back and we don't have to buy these little plants anymore from Woolworths and having to pay every time we want to get herbs. And so Franca went ahead and she planted this particular uh, group of plants. Well, we actually just left them in the box and we were watering them and looking after them. Well, about two months into the whole expose, they all died. They all died. And, and uh, let me just say this. We are on a journey of becoming great with our garden. I, I showed this you know, video a while back about us planting a, gra- a garden and things like that. And over COVID, over COVID we thought we we're going to plant our own vegetable garden. So we had tomatoes and we had capsicum and we had beans and th- some of those things were doing well. And we had zucchinis. Come on, who loves zucchinis? Right? It's amazing what you can do with zucchinis. You can actually bake a chocolate cake with zucchinis. It's quite amazing. Look it up. Actually, quite incredible. Anyway, and so you know, and we thought, you know what? With with COVID coming, with COVID coming, you know, we just don't know whether food supplies are gonna are gonna run out. And so you know, we're gonna live off the grid. We're gonna live off the grid. And I had my kids under the house, uh, you know, on on the bikes, pedaling, charging up our generator for electricity. That was a joke. No, that didn't happen. So now we, we started growing our zucchinis and we grew our first zucchinis. Now let me just say this do not despise the days of small beginnings. And so we actually grew our own zucchinis, and I thought I'd have a photo here of my first zucchini. <laughs> I was quite excited that I could actually grow that thing. Right? Who knows that you can't live off the grid with that type of zucchini? And so I rang Ray Dean. I was talking to Ray Dean. Who knows Ray Dean? Ray Dean, just is a wonderful man of God in our church. And you know, there's often a phrase of, you know, uh, uh, what's the thing of master of none? You know, jack of all trades but master of none, where well, he can master everything. Ray Dean, he can master everything. And so I was talking about my zucchini. And he said, oh, listen, I've just grown some, some zucchinis as well. He said, why don't you come along and get some of my zucchinis since your zucchinis aren't doing that well. And so I went over to Ray Dean's place to get his zucchini and this was his zucchini. <laughs> my zucchini? Ray zucchini's. My zucchini? Ray's zucchini's. My zucchini's? You get the point we are still living off raised zucchinis. <laughs> anyway, so we've been on this journey, right? And it's been a long and arduous journey, but we'll get there in the end, we'll get there in the end. So anyway, so we planted, all, all these, these herbs just died, but we took the parsley and we planted it in the ground and we forgot about it, just forgot about it, right? About six months later, I was walking past this particular part of the garden. As I turned around, all of, us saw, all of a sudden, I just saw this parsley bush. And I went, where did that come from? We can have a look at that. I'm going to redeem myself from the zucchini, okay? Look at that, hey? Yeah. (laughs) Forget the former things. Behold, I do something new. And it just looked like it had sprung up out of nowhere. It looked like it just kind of just happened, this random thing that took place in our garden. But the reality was six months earlier... There was intentional sowing. There was an intentional planting. There was an intentional thing that took place that resulted in the springing up of that new thing that was in our garden. And the point is this. In verse 19, when the Bible says, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I think the danger there is, is that when we think of God doing things in our life, we often get this random approach to blessing or this random approach to God's purpose for our lives or this random idea, listen, of things that happen in our lives without reason. But I want to encourage you this morning out of this passage, there is nothing that is random about God's intervention in our lives. There is nothing that is random about the way that God maps out His journey for us. There's nothing that is random about how God uses circumstances to bring us closer to Him. And the issue in this passage was that God was at work and He was intentionally at work in Israel's life. And even though there were new things that were springing up and some of those new things were not popular, some of those new things were a great struggle, some of those new things Israel would have looked at and thought, man, we're not going to be blessed out of this, but this is going to hurt us. We're talking about political things. We're talking about historically significant things. We're talking about outside circumstantial things that were all converging into one place that was putting major pressure on Israel's life. There were new world orders that were taking root, that looked like random, that looked like out of control. But in reality, God was making a a way in the wilderness and God was making a stream in the desert for his people and he was very intentional and he was very purposeful in seeing this happen in his people and I guess when you look at some of the things that come into your life and look at some of the things that are unexpected some of those random things that seem to spring up sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad sometimes they're difficult to comprehend I don't know about you but you have to ask yourself what is God doing when these things take place in my life that I did not expect, if we will go back to the Word of God, I believe we can apply some of the principles here. And I guess the question was, what was the purpose of this new thing that God was doing? Have you ever asked yourself that question? You know, why do I? Why am I going through this? Why am I having to deal with some of these challenges? This new thing that seems to be springing up that I now have to deal with the consequences. Of those things. But the point is this in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 43, God's new thing was for one purpose, and that was to bring Israel closer to Him. The one purpose of this convergence of political things and historical things and all this stuff that was going around them was for one purpose, and that was to achieve a restoration of heart a restoration of Israel's soul, a restoration, dare I say, of their first love for God. And the new thing that God was doing all the way back then, many, many years ago, was He was doing a new heart thing in Israel's life. And listen, church, all the things that was springing up out of the blue was for one purpose, and that was to bring them back to their original call and their original purpose to be in relationship with God. And I mean, if you think about it, it's not the first time that God has done this. It's not the first time that God has allowed circumstances to converge in such a way to draw Israel back to Him. Look at what the Bible says in Ezekiel. Ezekiel was written during the captivity in Babylon. Again, it was another new thing. It was another challenge. It was another difficulty that they had to go through, It was kind of something that they sprung up. They didn't expect to be captivated or taken captive by the Babylonians. But look at what God promises as the result of this thing in Ezekiel 36. He says, "'For I will take you out of the nations.'" And I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Listen to this. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh that regardless of what's going on around them, it was not going to make them harder. It was not going to make them more bitter. It was not going to be have a, a negative effect in their life. But the Bible says that everything that they went through, God would promise them that he would give them a harder flesh and have, have softness on the inside. You say, what is the new thing that God wants to do in us? If we read this passage, when God wants to do new things, what, what is the take home in 2021? What's well, really what he did 2,000 years ago with Christ. The new thing that God always wants to do in our life, this perpetual new thing, is to restore that lost relationship that mankind had with him in Genesis. To bring us back to the original purpose that God has for our lives. And that is a purpose of intimate relationship with him. A purpose of having a soft heart towards the things of God, a purpose of having a desire for God that is greater than any other desire in our lives. And you know, when you think about it, when Jesus came into the world, again, people misperceived the new thing that God was doing. John chapter one and verse 10, he says, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognise him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. And they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or pain, but a birth that comes from God. And my challenge for you today, and I only have one point this morning, is that every time you and I go through a thing, whether it's a new thing or it's a reoccurring thing, or or it's another thing, or or it's a challenging thing. I want to challenge you this morning to look through the lens of that thing, actually bringing you closer to Christ because it's a pattern that we see in the Word of God. So many things we deal with in life and we make it so much about all these other things. People get hurt in church. They make it about that thing. Yet maybe God wants to use that thing to actually draw them closer to Him. People go through disappointment. They make it about that thing. People go through failure. They make it about that thing. People go through sickness. They make it about that thing. And I love the fact that God just calls it a thing because you can apply that to any circumstance in life. And I'm asking you this morning, to go a bit deeper with God, to become a bit wiser when it comes to His Word, to go a bit further than just looking at the thing, thinking that thing is there to hurt you and to destroy you. Just maybe God has got a purpose in that thing to actually bring you closer to Him and for you to walk in relationship with Him more so than what you've ever, ever had before. Why do you think you and I still exist on this earth? When we get saved, God can take us. But he keeps us here so that we can show the world what it is to be in love with Jesus. The one thing that God cares about more than anything else is your walk with him. He doesn't care about your knowledge and theology. The Bible says that even the demons know. Some people are great in theology, great in knowledge, but they have no intimacy with God at all. That's not God's promise and plan for our lives. You know, you look at Revelation. Revelation talks about good things. The church is doing a lot of good things. Look at this in Revelation 2 verse 2 to 4. I know all the things we do. There's another word. For the, there's another thing, thing. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. It's a good thing. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've, exclaimed, uh, you've examined the claims of those who say that they are apostles but are not. As a good thing. You've discovered they are liars. That's another good thing. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. It's another good thing. But he discards all of that. But he says, I have oh, this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. You've lost your first love. They were doing great things for God, but they had lost the very purpose of their call. They'd lost the very, very reason why they exist. And that is to be in close relationship with Jesus. And can I say this? If you've been in church life more than five seconds, it is very easy to do. It's very easy to make your faith about everything else, about all the other things, the things that you're doing, the things that you're upset about, the things that you've been offended at. And through that, those things, the enemy comes in and butches a wedge between your relationship with God and slowly you begin to distance yourself. Yeah, the Bible speaks of Peter, that when he denied Christ, often he would walk with Christ. But after he denied Jesus, the Bible says that he walked from a distance because that thing had brought a separation. And yet when Jesus sees him, the first one he calls out to is Peter because God was saying to Peter, though you think it's a thing that is always a divide between me and you, no, I've crossed that divide once and for all. And the challenge for us is just don't make that thing a wedge between us and God. So many people in life, they make all their achievements a thing. They think that's the thing that God cares about. Well, can I leave you this passage? I love this. In Isaiah again, 26 verse 12. Look what the the Bible says, Lord, you'll grant us peace. All we have accomplished is really from you. No matter how much you how good you are, no matter how much you think you can achieve in life, at the end of the day, it all comes from God Himself. At the end of the day, it's God Himself that outworks His plan and His purpose in you. I want the musicians to come. You look at Job. One of the things that I love about the Book of Job is that we get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. There was a lot of things that went wrong in Job's life. We know this story well, is that the enemy comes in front of the presence of God one day and begins to say, well, look at Job. God says, look at Job, how righteous and how godly he is. The enemy says, hey, listen, God, Job is only doing that because he's enjoying the benefits of what you're providing for him. You take those benefits away and you are going to see a different man. So the whole book of Job is about The enemy coming in, God allowing certain circumstances to take place in Job's life through sickness and pain and destruction of family and a robbing of the blessing that he had. And yet you get to the end of Job's life and we know this in Job 42 verse 10. It says this, that after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as what he had before. In other words, God restored the years that the locusts had eaten—not just once, but doubled it. And the point is this: is that Job went through so much. There were so many things that went wrong in Job's life. And if you think about it, I mean, there's a part of the book of Job where he's just continually complaining. He's whinging. I wouldn't say that when you read some of that stuff that he was a man of faith. I mean, he was just complaining about so many different things. I was reading a scholar once. These are not my words; these are his. And he makes the point, and he says, "Yes, Job was complaining." But he wasn't complaining to men. He was actually complaining to God. And so if anything, the things that Job went through didn't repel Job away from God, but actually drew Job closer to God. That through that sickness and through that pain and through that grief and through that loss, he didn't say, I'm done with God, I'm out of here. He kept going to God with his complaint, his frustration. You know, it's okay for you to complain to God. It's okay for you to say how mad you are with God. God understands that. I know as a father in my own limited way, when my kids come to me with their frustrations, I don't see it as rebellion, but I see it as an openness. I see it as as an opportunity to have a conversation. And that's really what God is doing with Job. And through Job's complaining, if anything, he was talking to God more than what he had ever, ever done in his life. And the book of Job, one of the fundamental ideas in the book of Job is not how you handle suffering. It's not how you handle pain. It's the fact that even through your suffering, you can draw close to God who never leaves you, who is always there. And as you draw close to Him, He draws close to you. It's a year of personal revival. Where does personal revival start? It starts by us coming closer to Jesus. Restoring the first love that we once had. I'm not asking today about your knowledge. I'm not asking today about your theology, though theology is important. Ready for this one? I'm not asking today about your deep teaching. I'm asking today whether you are still in love with Jesus. (laughs) as what you were when you were first saved. I'm not asking about your achievements and how much money you've given into the house of God and what you're doing in life. I'm asking today, do you still love Him? Do you still want that intimacy with Him? Does your heart still ache when you don't pray and you don't read the Word? And, or have you forgotten what it's like? Church, can we come back to that first place? Can we come to that back to that place? that we don't make it about that thing, but understanding that all those things, God works together for good so that He can draw us closer to Him. Church, let's look past those things, amen? All those things that have happened in our world, let's look past them and realise that there's a purpose in them, one purpose, and that is for you to draw closer to Jesus. And I just believe over the next six months as we continue to preach about this and I just believe God is just reigniting a passion in people's hearts. Just reigniting an intimacy with Him that we've never had before. You know, years growing up as a young man would often pray and fast and see God as a 16 year old. I would say those intimate times that I had with the Lord were greater than some of the greatest meetings that I've ever been in. The greatest experiences that you can have with God is when you get down on your knees and go after the Holy Spirit yourself. You go after God yourself. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.